fired up for another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. Featuring Chris Field. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Parker Clare. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And Alex Sinar. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Also featuring the talents of Bigfoot as your producer. Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. My name is Chris. With me, as always, is Parker and Alex. And we watched Dracula 2000, a movie with significantly more (laughs) electronica in the score than most Dracula movies. Uh, Parker, what are your initial (laughs) thoughts on this Wes Craven movie? They don't make them like they used to, do they, Chris? (laughs) No, that's for the best. Alex? (laughs) For the best, you say? (laughs) I might disagree with that statement. Oh, I meant this movie in comparison to, like, the 1931 Dracula. Skip, I've seen a lot of Dracula movies, including one where Dan Stevens gets beheaded. So, you know. I feel as somewhat of an expert on the subject. We we know that Parker has Dracula dead and loving it in his future. Parker, do we have any news? No, movies aren't going to happen anymore. Oh, Just wait. assume that the news every week is all the movies you're looking forward to are coming out in November at the earliest. Well, yeah, I, I did read I'm, one <laughs> bit of news that seems somewhat significant. Uh, you heard about the uh, AMC thing, right? I was just about to bring that up. Yes. Okay, yeah, so Trolls World Tour, we've all seen it, big fans, was recently released on VOD. It's also in the Next week's episode. <laughs> Everyone, Everyone's seeing it on VOD because, you know, you got to see Trolls world tour and uh, it's apparently breaking records for vod and uh you know it's a big deal or something like that universal's really happy about it they need the money because no one's going out to the theaters for obvious reasons and amc is really pissed apparently there was an agreement that universal and amc had and universal broke that agreement so amc said okay taking my ball going home you're not allowed to uh, show any of your movies at amc theaters anymore so we're going to be missing out on Fast 9, 10, whichever one we're on. All right, guess uh, I'm not going to AMC it's, <laughs> it's funny because AMC is going to be bankrupt by June. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> There's four movie companies. You don't have the cash to play hardball right now. Exactly. That's that's what I was kind of wondering about here is like, uh, do, do they think that Universal's stupid? Because I do, but I don't know if they're that stupid. I, I mean, I, I'm going to be real. This is something that I've thought about several times during the quarantine. Like... Do you think movie companies are going to stop pandering to China? I wish. I hope not. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Man, I'm just I want, like, like, the rampant chan- Chinese national nationalism, like, in the Meg, but in, like, more <laughs> movies. This is, like, really funny. Like, three days from now, our theaters are going to reopen, and all I can think is, like, yeah, I might get sick, but, like, I can go see Fantasy Island. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, you I can might see just it right risk now. It's on Sig. Next week's episode. Uh, you know, I, but uh, 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 only takes two. I'm the second one. We're doing it next Deal. week. Deal. Oh, oh, thank you, God. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Swear, Thanks, Chris. I didn't realize your vote was that easy to get. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, do we have any jerks of the week? Oh fuck! I can't believe you've done this. Bean. Alex, you had multiple. <laughs> Let's <hear>. Always. <laughs> my backup jerk of the week, as I said off mic, is myself. Because the light bulbs in my podcast studio, aka room where my computer and a casting couch is at, is, uh, I've been burnt out since Sunday, and I just really don't want to go to the store, because, you know, it's not that I'm worried about getting sick, 
but I don't, I just don't want to put a mask over my gross quarantine beard and go out. So I'm recording in darkness, but my actual jerk of the week, you know, I'm a big fan of science, you know, just like finding out how stuff works, you know, you think like measurements and all that shit, you know, it's been very important to human history. Now, one thing that I've always learned in my life, you know, one of those truisms that was just deep in my heart was when you get a solo cup, if you pour to the first line, it's one ounce. It's like a shot, right? Like, yeah, you guys yeah. have heard this, yeah? Yeah. So my jerk of the week is whoever made the fucking cups that I've been using in quarantine. <laughs> because, like, I was wondering, like, how come every time that I fucking drank in quarantine, I got way more drunk than I expected to? Like, is my tolerance just going way down? And so I, fi- I finally decided, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna do some science on these apparently off-brand cups. <laughs> 3.2 ounces. Jesus Christ. Oh. Explains uh. a lot. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, I mean, I'm not, but also I am, because you guys probably had to deal with it. <laughs> a lot of things are making sense. Yeah. Piecing together the last couple of episodes yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that checks out. Yeah. Getting triple I'm just drunk like, when you were excited. I'm just like... Oh, you just pour it at a line, and then you put in your, your mixers. And, uh, well, about that. Uh, my jerk of the week is everyone who keeps insisting that Chris Hemsworth should do boring-ass fucking military movies. Get to I that. will not be... Wa- oh, yeah, knew you would. <laughs> I saw that trailer autoplay and decided, like, Alex will tell me if it's worth watching. I heard he punches child soldiers, so I might be in for it. I, almost, <laughs> Boy! Does he? We'll, we'll get to we'll get that. Through, yeah. uh, we'll put a pause on that, because... My initial reaction was, oh, cool, we're going to do horse soldiers again, but without horses. Okay, my jerk of the week is Harvey Weinstein for rape. <laughs> How'd you come up with that one? <laughs> Can't believe it the, uh, happened to The, the producer of the movie that our episode is on. <laughs> All right, so uh, getting into recently watched here. Um, fuck? I, I can't believe I'm going to talk about this one. So tremendously on my bullshit here i watched a black and white japanese movie from 1933 that's actually a silent movie it's called dragnet girl and uh there are a lot of interesting things to say the director yasujiro ozu he directed other movies like tokyo story that's really well known and this is one of his earlier works i heard it was good so hey i'll check it out uh the version i got was uh completely silent like no accompanying music or anything i'm like what that that can't be right they usually have like a score that accompanies it so i go onto youtube and hey it's on youtube and i'm like what's the music duke ellington Uh, that doesn't sound accurate but hey i could be wrong most of the movie from what i could tell is very americanized you could tell that ozu was really obsessed with american culture at the time uh (laughs) This could not have been the music that he chose because the music does not fit the movie in the slightest. It is one of the funniest scores I've ever heard. You'll have this you'll have this woman here and it's a really dramatic scene and you'll just hear someone in the background go skip up the doodle bow skip up the love scat man and uh there's, there's a scene towards the end of the movie, uh, the woman pulls out a gun and she's going to shoot her guy and it's like, oh no, don't do it, you're just on the path to, you know, redemption here. And in the background, you can't really have sad, dramatic jazz music, so instead you just hear, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> so, uh, 10 out of 10, highly recommend. Uh, I hate when Charlie Brown's teacher teaches my kids. <laughs> uh, I was communicating with Parker about 
I don't even remember what the subject was that broached this, uh, but Parker recommended going on to www.netflix.com and looking for Beyond the Mat. Uh, oh no, buddy! No, I gotta. I want to give a little bit of a backstory here. I hope I don't go too long, but really, there is a lot to talk about. I'm not that big of a pro wrestling fan. There's certainly things that I like. When I was a kid, I really liked Chris Benoit. That kind of bit me in the ass. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, you, you sure know how to pick them. Yeah, uh, and after that, I stuck to Stone Cold, who never did anything bad. So I I couldn't really get into it because I started doing real wrestling. And I was like, oh, this is a lot different. You're not allowed to hit anyone with a chair, so it's not quite as fun. But, you know, it's visible. Get out of the house every once in a while. Uh as I grew up, a lot of guys were really into it, and I guess I never really understood the appeal, but I was happy that they were happy. Uh, I've been to a show before. I like AEW, like Orange Cassidy, I like Kylie Ray. Uh, but Parker, you're you're far more into it than I am, and you know all this different lore. And I was just like, you know what? Some of that stuff is kind of interesting. I remember I, I heard a lot about the Montreal screw job between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, and I never understood what the big deal was. I was like, oh, so the wrong guy won. It's all fake anyway, right? So Parker's like, hey, watch Beyond the Mat. It's a documentary about pro wrestling. A bunch of different pro wrestlers in there. Uh, after watching the movie, I can safely say this very emphatically. Boy, I feel like a bad person forever watching pro wrestling. Correct. <laughs> this is uh, <laughs> Alex, remember back when we... This is like years ago. We'd be watching like pro football, and someone would get completely jacked up. Like, his head goes one way, his body goes one way, their goal, his childhood yeah. memories. And you would post something that was actually quite pressured to be like, geez, this is so barbaric. Why are we watching this? <laughs> and yeah. uh, turns out pro wrestling, really not better. You know? In fact, arguably much worse. Let's take uh, a look well. at Jake the Snake Roberts. See how he's... Oh, jeez. Yeah, Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, I, he's one of the ones who I had heard a lot about. Uh, I'm a little bit older than you guys. You guys wouldn't understand. But uh, he was one of the ones from like that earlier generation of wrestlers that I remember hearing about, but I never actually saw him wrestle. It's was like, what's the big deal? He has a big snake. Like, what, what's the... Who cares? Turns out nice. he is well known for uh, a whole lot of reasons, just his standing in the community. I guess he's well respected by wrestlers, but I don't think it's respect. I think it's more like pity. This dude has had perhaps the roughest life uh, out of almost anyone I can imagine. Uh, it's he, Part of his thing in Beyond the Mat was the inspiration for Darren Aronofsky's The Wrestler, which I thought was a very, very good movie. Which... And, checks out yeah it is you can certainly see the great casting in that movie too yeah like mickey Rourke just looks like somebody who's been beat up yeah he looks just damp the entire movie Uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's a very very good movie i've you know i'm gonna give it a lot of credit there i think a lot about that scene where he's like oh i guess she's into firemen (laughs) just in the middle (laughs) of the fucking movie his life's getting just spiraling and he's just looking at all these naked firemen posters I mean, tucked away in a drawer. I mean, there's there's that. There's also the scene where he's working at the deli, and all I can think about was that Peyton Manning commercial. Cut that meat. <laughs> so, who amongst us hasn't been a job where like I just jam my fucking hand in here? I got to go home for a while. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, back to beyond the mat. Uh, there really is no other Parker. You know what's coming. Uh, oh, I cannot wait. Because Parker Parker told me beforehand. I'll get to the rest of the movie in a bit. Parker told me before, let me know when you get to the interview segment with an individual calling himself Draws. Uh, or, or something like that. I guess Draws would be whatever he calls himself. Uh, he wants to be a WWE wrestler. And he has gained some sort of reputation for being able to make himself throw up on command. And that's as good of a gimmick as anything else in the movie. 
So he gets a meeting with Mr. McMahon. This is like the real Vince McMahon. We're seeing him. We're not seeing the boss as we see in all these. This is before all that. Uh, we are seeing the real unvarnished Vince McMahon. That's him in his in his uh, you know his boardroom and everything going through. It'd be like, well, yeah, you know, uh, that sounds like a good idea. Tell you what, we got a good name for you. We're gonna call you Puke, huh? 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 And Draws is just like, yeah, I, I, I just want to be a wrestler. What could be better than being a professional wrestler? And, and you have to understand the pure, unadulterated joy on Vince's face when he does this next thing that I'm about to describe. Alex, have you seen Beyond the Mat? No. Oh, you're going to. Buddy, uh, this, you would have you, a ball. You, you would, I'm sure I would. <laughs> you, you would love half of it, and you'd feel like very gross and uncomfortable watching the other half of it. Uh, he, he, he's like, oh, I just want to see if uh, you can actually do it. He pulls out a wastebasket and puts it in front of him. It's like, I just want to see if you can, you know, you know, do it and see if he can do it in front of me. And Draws is like, okay. Let's see, you know, he's loosened up his neck, and uh, Vince is sort of, like, writing how the script is going to go in his head out loud. And he goes, oh, he's going to do it. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to puke! He's going to puke! And uh, he <laughs> has a little bit of spit up come out of him, and Vince goes, oh, yes! Oh, there we go! <laughs> I love you, Vince. I could die next week or 50 years from now. Whenever it is, one of my last memories on this earth will be the look in his eyes as he cranes his head, just chanting that this man's going to puke. As a man trying to just get his dream job is on camera vomiting into a trash can. I was legitimately worried. I I I didn't know if he was going to be able to do it. And if he could do it, oh, what Vince would have done to him. I'm just, I'm so glad this is one of the seven human beings get to decide when the planet opens again. Isn't it incredible <laughs> that he's on all of these calls? It's my favorite thing. I love Vince so much. I mean, it's In case you're those... wondering uh, if you want an update on Vince's life, he's currently getting sued because he fired the guy that was running the XFL before he had to pay him severance because the XFL was making too much money. So he fired him <laughs> so he wouldn't have to pay him out and now he's getting sued. What an asshole. Right, anyway. So, so uh, cool. So Draws leaves the interview and he calls up his mom. He's like, Mom, I got great news. Guess what my new stage name is? <laughs> the scene cuts uh, to... Oh, who else do they have in the movie? They have, uh, they have a couple different guys. They have Mick Foley. Mick Foley, I remember... Oh my god. Mick Foley, this... I remember, was uh, really, really popular when I was in high school, which I didn't understand because, you know, wrestlers sometimes change names and personas and stuff like that. When I was in middle school, he was Mankind. and Like, that was... That was him. That Wait, was Mick. that's the same guy? Mick Foley is Mankind. Yep. Yeah. He was wearing a mask. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Taking notes, Pepe. Yeah. So, <laughs> Mankind. I remember he had Mr. Socko. Remember that? I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. So, uh, yeah, that's that's who, he, uh, that's who he is. I don't know him as Mick Foley, but now I'm older and I'm like, oh, he was wearing a mask. So, uh, they, they do <laughs> oh, like... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, they're, they're doing a thing in the movie. And uh, they're, they're, like, going through. It's like, here's what his childhood was like. Turns out his dad isn't very nice. But, uh, hey, the guy's actually got a pretty good life. He's got a wife. He's got two kids. The kids really like him. And the wife is way out of his league but she seems to really really like this guy i'm like that's sweet you know that really is uh, pretty sweet and then he goes to have a match with the rock uh who's been in a couple movies or something i don't know he's kind of famous and uh they have their match parker is this like a super famous match is this the one with the tags it's it is no it's not one it's a very infamous one because it's an i quit match 
And The Rock is the bad guy, and Mick Foley's the plucky baby face everyone gets behind. The Rock's the biggest thing in the world, and he's just Mick Foley. And oh man, there's no rules, and I quit matching. Oh, weird. Mick Foley's hands are handcuffed. Well, The Rock has a chair. Hey, guess what we didn't do in the 90s? We didn't put our hands up to protect our heads. Yeah. <laughs> so he is just getting fucking wailed on over and over. Full four shots to the head with his arms handcuffed behind his back. Cut to close up of Mick Foley's kids in the front row watching in absolute horror. This That's the thing about this is there are two ways that you can react here. And I, can, I guess I can understand both of them. You can laugh. And a lot of people think, oh, wow, wrestling's so fucked up. How could they put him in the front row? How could he torture his family like that? I felt sick to my stomach. I, I, I felt like, actually, like, I had trouble watching it. I think it was one of, uh, I mean, it's a good thing he filmed it, because then he showed that footage to Mick Foley. And it was kind of like one of these, this is what you're doing to your family sort of things. To which Mick Foley, I guess, spent, like, what, only 13 more years in the league before he retired? Uh... Yeah. I guess he's, well, he's he could still be in the league. I don't know. But uh, I think he took it to heart. I think he did. I think he was honest. And I think he looked at it and he's just like, I can't do this anymore. This is, I am hurting the ones that I love. And he'd already made a, a hefty amount of money, I think. Uh, there's one other guy whose name escapes me. He's one of those really old guys who probably should have uh, been in the movie. Terry Funk of Roadhouse fame? How oh, dare you? sorry. Yeah. Terry <laughs> Funk. Terry Funk. Jesus, dude. Even. I, oh, you knew that? Oh, shit. Well, Terry Funk is in Of this. Roadhouse fame, okay, you know. Okay, okay. That's all it takes. Okay. Terry <laughs> you know, former episode, do we need to do it again so you yes. learn something? I'm not saying no. Next but... week's episode is Roadhouse and also Fantasy Island. <laughs> oh, that's be my Fantasy Island. Yeah, I just want to watch Roadhouse again. God. He played, he played. Okay, yeah. I'm just going to think about Fantasy Island with Patrick Swayze in the lead role the whole time. So. Oh, fuck. So, yeah, so I Terry know. Funk is I in this. All right, King. He just can't stop wrestling. Um, there is one guy who's his guest referee whose workout is bouncing on a trampoline while holding dumbbells. Uh, that's, that's I love it. it. That's, uh, I, it's, it's a really good documentary. It's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Parker, thank you so much for uh, telling me to watch it. I, my, my, uh, pro wrestling watching will be very sparse in the future. Just letting you know. Oh no, like I told you, like, I don't think I've watched a show show since like, Last year's WrestleMania was like, okay, this, I can't do this anymore. But I keep up with it because, my God. Like, every day you just turn around like, oh, what do you mean Vince just fired like 20 people in the middle of a global pandemic just so he could keep the shareholder dividend up? Like, yeah, it makes it a little bit difficult so for me to sort of like rationalize it with the main thing that I like about professional wrestling, which is the comedy. There's a lot of really funny stuff that happens in pro wrestling. I will never forget how hard my dad laughed when he heard that there was a character called Paul Bearer. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Alright, allow me to zag on this for a second. There are too many wrestlers. There are kind of Kind of need to get rid of like 20 of them. That, that like, like Maybe right for the wrong reasons, but but also I don't know any they of these all people. have ninety day no compete clauses. But even if they didn't, they can't compete anywhere because you can't hold a wrestling show. Yeah. Also, like, I'm gonna be they real. Have like Fifty million just in savings in case of a time like this. Like, like I'm a guy that very rarely watches wrestling. Like maybe like two events a year, if that. Like, and even so, I can probably name like. 15, 16, you know, guys on the WWE payroll right now. I don't know what the fuck a Rusev is. I don't know, oh, man. We'll just ask our friend Jericho Holic. 
Oh, that's that's uh, a thing I want to mention. Let's not about. interact like, with him ever again. Because we talk about the NFL and how much trouble we have watching that, partially because NFL fans can be the worst. I don't know, man. Maybe pro wrestling fans are up there. This is Jericho. Pro wrestling fans are. I mean, so all much of worse. them are actually twelve instead of mentally twelve. That's a good point. So. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, I, I'll say Chris Hemsworth will beat the shit out of them. We'll get to that. <laughs> oh, we will get to that. I promise. So uh, after that, I was like, you know, I'm kind of on docu- I'm kind of on like a documentary sort of feeling. I watched a few more documentaries. So I watched four different documentaries about video gaming. Uh, one of which was that uh, these. Some of them were short. So it's. Well, say how. Four exist? No, nah, they I'm were so like excited. they were like these little things. Sometimes one of them was like hosted by Tony Hawk. Uh, okay, which is, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was the good. Good. just kickflips. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tony Hawk. Welcome to video games. The invasion of the electronic media has been, and you know that's you know, there's that. Here's the thing about Tony Hawk. How come he still looks and sounds younger than I do? What's going on with him? Um, there's a there's another one. It was like a British one that they did. It was only like a 45 minute thing. It was just kind of a quick one off. I could not get over this one thing that was in there. I don't have a lot to say about it, but one thing stuck with me. The woman, uh, she was a host of the thing, said that the original Legend of Zelda for the NES took over 100 hours to beat. And I don't think that's true. You know? About that. <laughs> I think what's the record? I, I, like 17 I, minutes. <laughs> I was six once, but like even so, Jesus Christ! A hundred hours on any video game? I don't believe it. Uh, so speaking of Zelda, uh, I actually kind of like the Zelda games. Uh, I have fun with them. They're they're well made for the most part. There's some that are unplayable, uh, but for the most part, I like them. And I was doing a little bit of research, and I was like, huh, I wonder how the first Zelda game was made. And there's some interesting stuff there. Shigeru Miyamoto was just like based on a lot of his childhood and memories. I was like, wow, I found a lake once. It was really interesting. But he also based it partially on a Hollywood movie. Uh, a Hollywood movie that stars uh, Tim Curry, Sloan Peterson, oh, no. and uh, our favorite, t- uh, Tom Cruise. Uh, it's directed by Ridley Scott. Uh, the name of this movie is Legend. And uh, Oh, buddy, 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 buddy. It's <laughs> one of those movies where it's like, I should watch this, but also... That's going to come up at some point. I might as well just keep it in the back pocket. That's the thing. Ah, as I watched it and I thought to myself, could this be a future episode? And I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. This is it's a little bit too dated, I think, is the problem. Like, like, there's a lot of components that are there, but also, like, what are we going to do? Talk about the 80s bands that nobody that listens to us has ever heard of? Oh, like, you watched the American cut. I watched the uh, director's cut. Uh, the director's cut is... It's been a while. Yeah, uh. the, the director's cut does not play 80s band songs. Uh, the director's cut is usually considered the far, far superior version by another than Tom Cruise, who hated the American cut. Was I actually can't believe there's multiple cuts of Legend. <laughs> yeah, the original cut was like two and a half hours, and then he cut it down. Because there's a bunch of people in the uh, in like the screening thing who were smoking pods, like, whoa, why were they doing all that? And so he cut it down to like an uh, hour and a half. That's the American cut. And then he restored uh, like a half hour of it because Tom Cruise is just like, no, what are you doing? There's all this backstory and like some really good stuff in there that you cut out. So, you know, do the restoration. And he says, please watch the original director's cut. And uh, that's the one that I got. I've heard things. I've seen bits and pieces of the American version and wasn't uh, good. Now, is the director's cut a good movie? That's a fair question. Uh, one of the reasons I was attracted to it is because apparently Tim Curry won some sort of award for best performance in a bad movie. Uh, he does give a pretty damn good performance as the god of darkness. 
which is unfortunately not tremendously different from his performance as Hexus in Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. Uh, oh yes, of course. Yeah, our favorite. People uh, are saying that, Chris. <laughs> uh, he <laughs> so I, I'm watching the movie, and Sloane Peterson, you know, she's gorgeous. I'm watching her just sort of run around this field, and she's looking for Jack. Jack, where is Jack? And out jumps Tom Cruise, squatting like a monkey in this Peter Pan outfit. And I was like, okay, this could be a future episode. Let's see what we're doing with it. And I watched the whole thing, and there's some... It's just some dumb lines and stuff like that. It does star the the little kid from the Tin Drum, which I mentioned earlier on this podcast, which is... Boy, that's a weird movie. Uh, he plays uh, Gump, the little uh, character. No, not the other one. Uh, he's he's good in this. I actually think it's a perfect... You're lucky I know what this movie is. Yeah. He's actually... <laughs> I was going to say no, not Forrest Gump. Uh, he's... Because uh, it's Gump, he's in a forest. Anyway. Uh, with that hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I actually think uh, it's a pretty decent movie. Uh, I Parker, I might recommend this one to you. It's maybe, maybe for you, you might not like it. It takes itself a little too seriously, I think, to be an episode. Like, there's none of that cheesy stuff in, like, Never Too Young to Die or The Wraith, you know? And, oh, good movies. Yeah, well, those are, those are episodes, you know? And those oh, only came out, like, a year after Legends. So I'm like... You know, again, this could maybe work, but there's not quite enough silly stuff in here for me to just point and laugh at. So maybe the American Cut has uh, way better, you know, dumb stuff in there. Maybe 80s bands. Apparently John Anderson had a song in there, which uh, would have been hilarious comedy. But, uh, the Sports Center guy? No. <laughs> God damn, Ridley Scott has the most baffling filmography. He really does. Just... This is, what, three years after uh, Android's Dream of Electric Sheep and Blade Runner? So... I, I don't know. He's I, real cool. He, he's I'm, real, real cool. Yeah, like, that's a career retrospective days, I would like to do. Yeah. I would love for us to sit down and watch Exodus: Gods and Kings more than anything on this earth. Fuck. I mean, with that's... Christian Bale as Moses. <laughs> <laughs> what about Edge? Anyway, uh, does it okay. have Gerard Butler as Judas? We will get to that. <laughs> Aaron <laughs> Paul. What the fuck? Why is he in this movie? Okay. This. Ridley Scott's real cool. Yeah, so Parker, I, I recommend Legend to you. I kind of want to see what your take is on it. As to which version to watch, hey man, up to you. This is... Uh, Dude, literally just pick at random. Yeah, like, the coin I will watch None of them are awesome. that good or... Like, like, they're like... They exist in this world of early 80s movies, which I think is something that, Chris, you've probably experienced with yeah. other things that you've watched, where like, it's weird, but it's not 80s weird. Yeah. It's like, they're still just, it's like, the 70s, despite everybody being on drugs, were, like, sort of normal, and then the 80s, everyone just went off the rails, because, you know, the fear of nuclear annihilation or whatever, but there are certain 80s movies that are just, like, it's not that weird, given what I've seen, and yeah. that's where I feel like that movie falls. Well, Parker, it's special thing in the context of, like, hey, you made Alien and then Blade Runner, what do you want to do now? Hey, check this shit out. <laughs> He's got a sword. Uh, so he's the devil. And also, it's this, this guy named Tom Cruise. It's going to be pretty cool one day. Yeah, par I mean, that's the thing, is that cast list enough is enough to get me into the theater. Parker, here's one to get you to download this. Special effects by Rob Bettine. Skip. You think I don't know about that Tim Curry makeup? Uh, that's the only thing every time I'm like, I should watch this one day. Apparently it was Then I remember Tom Cruise is in it, and I'm like, it's will sign me. Yeah, it's 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 worth watching. Apparently but, like, Sloan Pearson was the tallest person on set. Uh, given that cast yeah, it's not surprising <laughs> uh, yeah the weird kid from the tin drum um, 
Also, the other thing about it that uh, that I think is fairly worth mentioning is um, that I, when I was a little kid, I watched it, and I think I got it confused with Willow, which is a far worse movie. Correct. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're not kidding. Yeah. Oh, Willow sucks. What are we doing? But I, I think I definitely prefer this one. I think if I had watched this all the way through as a kid, it would have terrified me. Uh, fucking Tim Curry's scary as shit. And that oh, that bog witch thing that comes up out of the water. God bless America. What are we doing? So, yeah, there's a lot of the good stuff. And I Maybe I'll watch the American cut because I was, I was interested. I uh, It's so hard, I think, to find like a really good fantasy adventure thing. Because what are, what are our pickings here? We got Labyrinth. We got uh, Lord of the Rings and The yeah, Hobbit. Mummy. Well, the Hobbit's... I mean, uh, The Mummy's good. The Mummy's really good. Oh, another I'll, great Tom Cruise no. fantasy movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, speaking about pandering to China. Uh, yeah, the the, <laughs> the 1999 version of The Mummy's very good. We, we've talked about that one quite a bit. Uh, but other than that, what are we going to do? The Dark Crystal. I'll give you The Dark Crystal. But other than that, it's kind of hard to find them. And I, I guess this one sort of fills uh, that niche for me. Because, uh, again, otherwise you're going to get Willow. And uh, in that case, you're better off just not watching Sword and Sandals movies from the 80s. You're like, oh, this is really cool. Oh, a rape scene. Thanks, movie. How much <laughs> How much Keefe is in this movie? Miles of Keefe. <laughs> so, uh, Fuck off. Sorry, <laughs> uh, uh, so right, tune in next week for <laughs> Fantasy Island. <laughs> 130 goddamn weeks of this. <laughs> I can't take it. <laughs> <sighs> And the last movie I watched, because I ordered two pizzas, and uh, here's the thing. You can get two... Same time? You can get two medium pizzas <laughs> from Domino's. For a better price, you can get one medium pizza from the local pizzeria, and it's closer. So, uh, easy choice there. So I got two pizzas. I'm like, what movie goes really well with pizza? How about a movie I've never seen before called The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, a movie? Uh, 2012? Which one? Trick question. 2012. <laughs> I, I put on the first one, which I had actually heard pretty good things about. Uh, I will say this: the uh, the puppets were by the Jim Henson Company. They actually look pretty good. Uh, it's a baby movie. Uh, I don't really have a whole lot of nice things to say. I like Casey Jones. By your standards, or like anybody else's? Uh, by by yes. my standards, which means it's for like infants. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. uh, they're really here's the, okay. So here's the thing: I remember a lot of people. I was reading some contemporary reviews, and people were saying. Oh, it's a little too violent for kids. I was like, where is all the... They're ninjas! What do you want them to do? Oh, in case you're wondering, the studio took that to heart, and they took, like, all of it out of the second one. So any of the little bit of action you got in the first one will not be present in the sequel. So you can just stop now. Oh, I'll try. You don't have to tell me twice. Can't have the are music. They, are they on a list, though? Parker? Actually, this you first know, one uh, was on three different lists. So, uh... Well. Good shape here. I guess you'll just have more, to power through, huh? It was on more lists than any of the other fucking movies I watched. That includes Dracula 2000. All right, Alex, what did you watch? All right. So, uh, you know... I feel like this is an important time, you know, using my segment. I want to talk about, you know... One thing that's that's really jumped out to me that humanity has done lately that I really appreciate, you know, just people understanding their role in society. You know, we have all of these, you know, you know, frontline healthcare workers and emergency responders that are just really stepping up, answering the call. We have, you know, Roger Goodell putting on his skin suit and entertaining us for three days in a row. Like, I never would have seen that coming. <laughs> and it just it made me think about, you know, what my role in society was and what I had to offer people. So, of course, I watched the Chris Hemsworth Netflix movie. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. 
Like, as soon as that dropped, I was like, my man's going to take an L for me, and I appreciate that. So here's the thing. You guys know how I feel about Netflix. So when I see there's there's a big budget new Netflix movie coming out, I'm just like, oh, cool. It's going to be, like, a bunch of quips and shitty jump-cut Michael by action scenes. And this fucking Chris Hemsworth thing drops. And Parker, like you brought up earlier, like, you know, you talked about the horse soldiers and how much that movie fucking sucked, which... God damn, you're right. <laughs> this movie's actually really good. God damn it. All right. Fine. So, okay, so here's the thing. I'm going to I'm going to break this down the best I can. The first thing I'll say about this movie because I don't expect anybody to listen to my analysis of, you know, a fucking Chris Hemsworth action movie that came out in 2020 on Netflix is like 40 minutes of this movie was the point at which I hopped on IMDb to see if this had the same director that Atomic Blonde had. Because it has that same energy. Ooh. You know, like, like it's it's not like, like it's not a movie where the plot's there, obviously. It's a Netflix movie. They don't do plots in those. But, like, I came into this expecting, you know, jump cuts and quips, and what I got was a lot of really dope tracking scenes. And I was really into the visuals. Now, I will say, um, probably the biggest negative I have about the movie is during like the big extended visual sequence like six minutes in i got a really bad headache which is not a thing that happens to me in movies it is a little bit too shaky but they're doing cool shit with the cinematography like it's a very interestingly filmed movie again a little bit a little bit too much shaky cam but like the like like the plot of the the plot of this movie only exists to keep you invested just enough to go like I don't know what's going to happen next, and with how much of this is like over the shoulder cam and tracking shots, it makes it really effective. When they're just like running through buildings, and it's like you've given me just enough of a plot to know that anybody could be on the other side, but not told me anything, so I have to pay attention to know what's going on. Like it's 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 really well done. Like, unfortunately, Chris Hemsworth doesn't get the chance to be funny very much, which, when you've got an actor like that, you want that to happen, but also, when you've got an actor that that's, that's that pretty and well-built, sometimes they have to be in movies like this, and that's okay. Now, again, we've brought up The Horse Soldiers twice now, and here's the difference between this movie and The Horse Soldiers. See, in this movie, Chris Hemsworth is a mercenary, and here's the difference between mercenary Chris Hemsworth, or mercenary anybody, and the soldier version. Whenever you make a movie about soldiers, you know, troops in some foreign war or whatever, they gotta abide by all these rules. Like, alright, we're in this movie, we can't do all the cool stuff soldiers do, like commit war crimes or kill ourselves. <laughs> but mercenaries, they just, they, it's just carte blanche, they could do fucking anything. And this is really well choreographed. It's directed by somebody that coordinated a lot of, you know, like stunts and special effects, and you can see it. And... It's a two-hour movie where there's only, like, 15 minutes that are boring. And that's... For Netflix, it's, it's really just, like, leaping, like, four feet over the bar. I had a lot of fun with this, I'm not gonna lie. I, I put it on, and I was expecting to get some homework done while I was watching it. And then I was, like, five minutes in, like, great! Subtitles. Just what I wanted when I'm trying to not pay attention. But I was kind of glad I paid attention. It was a lot of fun. Now, the other glaring flaw of this movie. And now that I say this, you won't be able to unsee it. 
the bad guy looks just like Prince, and it's hard for me to take him seriously as a bad guy. Damn it. <laughs> it's, it's like, the most ticky-tack stupid thing to be annoyed with the movie about. But, like, every time they cut to him, I'm like, oh, that's just Prince. Alright, well, this guy is just gonna go to the club and fuck the prettiest person he can find of whoever's there. And instead, we're supposed to believe he does crime? I mean, alright, sure, whatever. Now, <laughs> as alluded to earlier, somebody brought up Chris Hemsworth beating up children. <laughs> Let me be clear in my answer to this. Yes, that happens, and it rules. Okay, I'm gonna have to be watching this. But also, like, the whole scene is, like, Chris Hemsworth just being agitated that children are attacking him, and just, like, you know, trying to not kill them. So it's just, like, knocking some guy over with a stun grenade and being like, oh, these bloody kids, and then he does something else. And it's actually, like, both the funniest and maybe the most visually interesting part of the movie. <laughs> like, it's it's real good. Like, I... Again, the movie that I would compare this the most to is Atomic Blonde. If you liked Atomic Blonde for any reason other than the, the 80s spy stuff, you should watch this. It's... It's very well filmed and well choreographed, and yeah, you might get nauseous at one point, but just pause the movie and go puke. It's cool. What are you gonna do? Nobody's gonna find He's out. Gonna Nobody's up. in your house. It's fine. Like, it's this could have been so much worse than it is. I was quite happy with it. And with that, I'm gonna pass off to Parker because I've actually had a really busy week. So look at you. Let's see. I got a couple things. I'll start with the weird one. So I've decided. You know, I've been talking about the Mad Max movies that I was going to go through all of George Miller's movies. So, like, I knew the Mad Max stuff. I knew he did the Babe movies. I know about Happy Feet. Imagine my fucking shot when I do Mad Max, Mad Max 2, Beyond Thunder to Mark. All right, what's next? Does that say The Witches of Eastwick? (laughs) And I refresh it, like, surely he was... No. This was... Did banged out three of those in a row, came to America, worked with a real fucking production company, and made a movie I have vague memories of my mom watching when I was a kid. Ooh. And my biggest takeaway is, I, I want to fuck Jack Nicholson, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> the movie is so fucking horny. <laughs> we'll get to horny movies. Oh, yes. My God, like the raw sexual power in that movie coming off Jack Nicholson's eyebrows is. I I felt things I wasn't prepared to feel. Also, they just don't make hot, sexy-ass movies like this anymore. Where you just have, like, a minor conflict and then cut to, alright, well now uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Cher, and Susan Strandon are just part of his harem, and it's just cool now. There's no explanation. Like, yeah, they just, they've decided <laughs> all just to go with to it. Watch this. Makes sense it's, to me. It's actually quite good. <laughs> like, I was very surprised. And then I got to learn the exciting lore behind the scenes. That he worked with a producer named John Peters, who is very famous for being the guy who, when they were making the Tim Burton Superman, kept insisting, like, he should fight a giant fucking spider. And then when that movie died, he put the giant spider in Wild Wild West. God bless. <laughs> so George Miller had to work for this guy, who showed up one day going, there should be an alien in this movie. And they're like, it's a movie about Jack Nicholson and what the fuck are you talking about? And then one day, he just showed up to set with the dude in an alien costume and said, yeah, just throw him in wherever. (laughs) (laughs) To which Jack Nicholson responded by walking off set until he left. Oh, they could have had through Nobulax. Honestly. (laughs) Like, like I think the movie's 
much better than I thought it'd be. But like, it's very interesting to watch knowing like Jack Nicholson pretty much took over and was like, I'm going to protect you from these people. Like, went out of his way to use all of his powerful early 90s Jack Nicholson clout to protect George Miller from us. And then George Miller promptly just went back to Australia like, fuck you guys, I'm never working here again. I, who <laughs> can blame him? But yeah, that, I was not expecting just how incredibly horny it is. <laughs> real strong. Let's see. I've got a bunch of random ass horror movies here. So I got two sort of found footagey things I will briefly touch on because most people don't like found footage. There's one that I was very interested in called Sandman, but it's S ampersand man. And it's, <laughs> no. it's, ha- it's half documentary, half found footage. The documentary part follows um, this guy interviewing these people that make just the most underground, awful, like, the stuff that looks like snuff films that even I will absolutely not fuck with. Interviewing those directors and some of the actors and like the psychology behind it why there's an audience what the audience wants it's actually pretty interesting stuff because like I, there's no part of me that wants to watch it i've seen like 20 minutes of one of them when i was like 15 and it really fucked up my week it was a bad time because i mean some of the directors have gotten arrested because it's very convincing it just looks like you have footage of someone going on a joyride and then it's interspersed with he meets a dude who's selling his own videos at a convention. And this is the part that's not real. This is the fictionalized part. But you get the feeling of like, this uh, this, this might be real. <laughs> and you keep following him and he keeps showing with more videos and be like, hey, uh, so uh, can I follow you? While you-? No, absolutely not. No. And it's just slow and winding of like, wait, so these guys are, these guys are cool. What, why does this weirdo keep showing up and getting super fucking aggro when we turn the camera on? No, it's a very small production, but I really enjoyed it. It's a cool mix. The other one is called Butterfly Kisses, which is also a weird meta thing. So it's a found, a found footage movie about these like high school kids that have some local legend. Doesn't matter. And then the found footage part is some dude finds it and decides, like, well, fuck this. I'm going to make this into a movie, and then I'm going to get rich off of it. And it's just... I, I love shit like this. Most people don't, but I like... Like, the movie itself is watching this dude piece together. It'd be like if the Blair Witch Project, if that movie was Eduardo Sanchez and the other dude, like, piecing together all the cancers, like, alright, so this is fucked up. Uh, anyone seen this person? Let's call their family. Like, what the, where did these people go? And there's a great scene <laughs> where he's doing this uh, radio interview, and they get the actual director of the Blair Witch Project to call in and be like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? You can't just keep saying it's real. Like, at some point, you have to give it up. And he just absolutely clowns on him. The guy like has a complete nervous breakdown. It's it's another one of those movies that I had never heard of. And I hear about all this shit that was just found on Prime. Because someone on Something Awful recommended it to me. It was very good. Let me see here. Oh, I rewatched Dread because it seemed like, <laughs> seemed like a good idea. Like last week... She put on the Pete's Dragon remake. Which is a movie Chris didn't know existed. <laughs> and it's just on. And I'm like, oh... Carl Urban's such a piece of shit. Two second pause. He goes, did you ever see Dread? She said no. <laughs> and I was like, alright, well, clear your fucking schedule. So yeah, um, it still hurts me that there's never going to be a sequel to that, but we just gotta move past it. All you nerds listening, quit petitioning. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> we are talking about the Sliced Alone one, right? Oh yeah, the good one. <laughs> 
Well, here's the part where I get to dance around some uncomfortable subject matter. Oh, boy. My favorite part of the week. There's a reason I put lighter things after this. So it's a movie called Revenge that I've had on my watch list for a long time. If you Uh open Shudder, you will see the picture for Revenge. It is called Revenge because it's a rape revenge movie. So that's why for two years I've hovered over it and been like, nah, not today. Same thing with The Nightingale. Like I love The Babadook. I'm not ready to watch it. The good news is the inciting incident is almost entirely off screen. Like you can hit the fucking go forward 10 seconds button twice and you're clear, which was, oh boy, (laughs) that was very nice for me. It helps to have a woman write and direct it because you don't get the lingering close-ups that you get in so many wonderful Grindhouse movies that really just like to let you just bathe in it. So I can say, okay, this movie's very good, but I will say right now, so you can literally just go to the 25-minute mark, all the bad shit's happened, all you have to know is she's the heroine, that dude did it, that dude saw it was going on, closed the door and turned the volume up, so he deserves to die, and that dude tried to kill her because she was going to blow up his spot, because he took her there, but he's already married, and she threatened to expose him. So these three people need to die, she's going to get revenge, just start at the 25-minute mark, boom. And it is so fucking good. Because, you see, there's he tries to kill her. He pushes her off a cliff, and she gets impaled on a fucking branch. And she has to pull herself off, drag herself away. In your head, you're like, well, how is she going to survive this? How is she going to, like, chase people down in the middle of the desert with a giant fucking gaping wound? And then you remember, oh, yeah, like 20 minutes ago, they just casually mentioned they had a bunch of peyote. And then she <laughs> cauterizes the wound after taking a shitload of peyote to numb herself, and then the last hour is just her hunting them down and murdering them. Oh, good. So it's like Max Payne. Yes. <laughs> just like Max Payne. Only the best parts of it. So she takes serum. Yes. It's like, even if you're like me, and you're very sensitive to these types of things, like, I'm happy because, obviously, I watch it alone, because I'm not going to sit my girlfriend on the couch and go, all right, let's watch this woman get raped. Like, literally, you can just go to the 25-minute mark you go, these three people need to fucking die. Boom. And you're completely in the clear. It's just a revenge movie at that point. Beautiful cinematography. Great score. I just love the color. It's a gorgeous movie, honestly. Some brutal, brutal, brutal gory violence. And it's just nice to know that, like, how is she chasing these people down? How does she have the strength of stamina? Because she's just high out of her fucking gourd. And just immediately murks a guy. Because they're all hunters. So she just kills one guy. Boom. There's a backpack full of hunting equipment, a big old scoped rifle, and it's just, oh man. I wish I hadn't slept on it for so long, but also, like, like I said with the Nightingale, like, every time I hover over, I'm like, I've heard this is really good, but also, I'm not trying to fuck up my night, but watching <laughs> women get raped. So, we did that. Let's just bounce over to something a bit more fun. Folks, sometimes you go to the liquor store go to all the cans you find a giant can that says yeti ipa you buy it (laughs) you go home you crack it open you sit on the couch and you search for bigfoot movies and you find what's that a movie from this very year called abominable about the abominable snowman yeah i'll pay that four dollars throw that shit on my tv (laughs) now i'm not saying that this is a movie about people who travel to find the legendary yeti plant that has the power to cure cancer but i'm not saying it's not about that either these people are on an expedition 
to find this magical rare plant. Literally just to find Sinzu beans out in the fucking Appalachians. <laughs> that will not only cure cancer, but will stop cells from dying altogether. And also there's a Yeti out there. Here's the thing. It's not great, obviously. There's like two actual good Bigfoot movies. It's not great. But here's the two things I want to really stress upon. Almost all of the money went to the kills. Every time the Yeti kills someone, it's insanely bloody. And it's 72 minutes. Oh, fuck. Cannot stress enough. Like, it is grading on a curve, but those credits rolling at an hour 10 is... Oh, it does a lot. Does not overstay its welcome. It is not a strong recommend, but a pretty firm recommend. Then after that, we watched the 2006 version of Abominable with the dude in the wheelchair in Sasquatch. <laughs> so that was my afternoon. <laughs> back to back that's Abominable. A that's a movie I need to watch again. Yeah. Oh, it's, it is so good. I totally forgot that like an hour of that movie, Lance Henriksen shows up just to get murdered. Yeah, he's in like two scenes. He just shows up to talk about hunting and killing animals. And then gets murdered by a squatch. So yeah, that's it for me. I figured I would end on something a bit less rough, but the movie's fucking good. Well, I'm glad uh, you had a good time. Let's... How hard can it be to raise money for our squatch movie? We... Let's, let's, let's I... really Well, I mean, the economy is kind of in a tough spot right now, but also there's no one outside. I'm not worried about that. There's only one person outside and he's hiding. Anyway. <laughs> All I know is that that Stonks arrow is going to go up eventually. And, you know. Oh, man, he just has free run out there anytime someone breaks quarantine. <laughs> just get fucking uh, yeeted. <laughs> uh, Parker, you've talked a lot about setting up a Patreon for this show, and I just know that at least some of the tiers for donations has to be for Bigfoot equipment. <laughs> Look, if you donate 50 bucks a month, you get to get killed by Squatch. That's just not, that's on the record. We will fly you out there. You get to get fucking murdered. Look, I just I just expect a quarter per episode per person if you laugh at my jokes. So with that seventy five cents a month, I'm gonna put it towards our Bigfoot money fund. I deal. I feel it. Just, just a do bunch this. of quarters in that jar to buy some jawbreakers for Squatch. He loves them. Okay, let's talk about Dracula two thousand. Uh, excuse oh, me. Please, I'm, I'm so ready. Wes Craven presents Dracula 2000. Oh, that's a good point. Why Wes Craven. Oh, <laughs> say the whole title. Okay. Wes Craven's Wes Craven presents Dracula 2000 <laughs> by Wes Craven is the second Dracula movie by a very well-known director. We're not going to include Carl Lamel. Uh, we had, uh, you know, he directed a bunch of, like, lesser stuff. He did, like, The Godfather and Apocalypse Now, and he... He made something like that back And the Outsiders. <laughs> and the Outsider. And Jack. <laughs> Future episode. So anyway, yeah, he made a... No. <laughs> he, made a dra- he made Dracula back in 1992. It's like, oh, hey, that's, you know, it's a big, famous director directing uh, Dracula. And then they made Dracula 2 Ascension. <laughs> sure fucking did. My dad's favorite movie... <laughs> It's my favorite lore you've ever dropped on me. It's like, he has all these classic movies. And also the sequel to Dracula 2000. <laughs> There's also Dracula 3. Uh, and now this one. Thousand? Well, Dracula 3000 is different from Just Dracula. Just throwing it out there. Dracula 3000 is definitely oh, on that's Hulu a, right it's now. It's also an episode. Just saying. Oh, it's the one I don't have, but that episode. can change. It is not an episode yeah. at all. It is horrendous. I think, wait, isn't that the one where they go to space? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's an episode. Star okay, so it's Star got Trek real Troopers. it's got real Death Race twenty fifty energy. Oh the huh? good stuff. Okay, so uh that's Just the thing, is like as we mentioned, Wes Craven is not the director for this. Now Wes Craven as far as the director goes, I don't know that I like him. He's made what, Scream, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and that's it for his hits. Cause you should watch Red Eye. You should watch okay, Red I'll, Eye. I'll, I'll consider Red Eye, but I've seen a lot of his really bad Dude, stuff. It's, it's like 83 minutes. It's worth oh, never mind. Uh, yeah, it's, again, like I said, he's, he's directed a lot of really, really bad stuff. But hey, he put his name on this one. What could possibly go wrong? Ah, yes. That thing he only does for good movies. Yeah. <laughs> so he... I, I, See our previous episode on Wishmaster. Right. So that's the thing about it, is I don't know... Please don't. When, when you're listed as a producer, I'm not entirely sure how much work you did. You know? I have a feeling this is just one of those things where you're like, oh, I'll slap my name on it. If it makes money, hey, I make money. And, you know, if it doesn't, hey, I, you know, no risk or whatever. Uh, like, like, not not to derail, but I have so many questions about the producer economy in Hollywood. Just like, you watch some of these movies now, it's like they have 17 producers. It's like, what did that guy contribute? That's the thing. Like, let's be real. It's like, I was a producer for a television station, and what that meant is I did all the work. And I have a feeling that that's not the same thing in Hollywood. I think that depending on who the producer yeah. is, like, I always hear about, like, oh, Steven Spielberg was the producer on Poltergeist, right? Parker, I'm, I'm right on that, right? He ended yeah. up making a lot of like creative decisions, like oh, we should do this. There are sometimes there the go between between like the director and the studio. The, it, I think it depends uh, person to person. I think in uh, Poltergeist, Spielberg actually ended up directing most of it, so he did do all the work on it. But uh, executive producer, I think that just means you put your money behind it. Speaking of, uh, Harvey Weinstein was involved in this uh, motion picture, uh, so that's why my jerk of the week. I mean, I didn't bring him yeah, up. He's my jerk of the week. I, I can't believe no one had taken him yet. So. <laughs> Uh, Real value for the there at pick three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey Weinstein really sliding down this board. <laughs> oh man! Anyway, uh, there's a bunch of other uh, famous names associated here. We get to see Christopher Plummer right off the bat. He looks older and sicker in this than he does in Knives Out. Uh, oh my god, he he looks like Anthony Hopkins in any movie that Anthony Hopkins isn't trying in. <laughs> Curious, how many movies do you think have both Christopher Plummer and Vitamin C in the opening credits? <laughs> uh, well, we, we, you think they're friends forever? <laughs> okay, so we have to talk about uh, the character that he's playing. Uh, it's oh, sorry, Dad's calling me. Oh, listen. Is that Ram Ranch? Yeah, Dad. No, no, we're recording. No, we're, we're, I'm not watching Van Helsing. No, no, not yet. Yeah, it's loaded. It's under my bed. Okay, good night. No, Dad. LXG is next yeah. week. <laughs> so, Please, God, no. We have so many next week. I have a lot of homework next week if we're doing LXG. <laughs> my dad, his first spot on the podcast talking about LXG. He sat up for the entire thing and be like, well, in the book... Uh, Oh, we just well. talking, and I was like, yeah, with me as always is my dad. Like, Hello. <laughs> Hello? Can you guys hear me? Oh, sorry. Anyway, yeah, he plays Van Helsing. So, uh, I was actually thinking back to the Van Helsing episode, uh, Parker, because I all I can think about is when your impression of uh, Frankenstein from that movie to trying to take a shit. <laughs> <laughs> really going through the ringer in that movie. I just want to live! <laughs> that movie fucking sucks ass. <laughs> the movie didn't have any new metal. <laughs> that's the problem. Uh, that's a mistake. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Did they not know what year their movie came out yeah, in? <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> it was right there for them, and then no new metal. So, uh, speaking of other famous names, Mike Tomlin is in this. And, uh... <laughs> Boy, is he. Uh, <laughs> I, like, literally my first note on this piece of paper is, like, guys, I know this is a vampire movie, but also that guy hasn't aged in 20 years. Oh, so, yeah, like, exactly. what the fuck? Good on him. Yeah. <laughs> One of my first notes is, oh, that's the guy from Hackers, followed by... Fuck, how have we not done Hackers yet? Wait, how have we not... Okay, well, add to the list. It's a really good question. But... I'm glad we're all on the same page. Yeah. So, uh, the movie... Oh, I can't believe I'm saying this. But I might as well say, okay, so the movie begins with a Dracula heist. Um, the the main... <sighs> one, of, one of the women in the bad guy group has teamed up with Omar Epps and, I guess, two other guys... And they're going to... And they go... No, no, no. No, no, no. You do not get to call Danny Masterson one of two other guys. Let's get that to this. That was because, uh... about that 70s show. Damn this podcast once again. I'm sorry. I don't watch TV. Listen, I have a Wikipedia line to read to you. Oh, fuck oh yes. here we go. <laughs> Give me one second, because it is lost in a tab right now. (laughs) Daniel Peter Masterson, born March 13th, 1976, is an American actor, active Scientologist, and disc jockey. (laughs) End line. Oh, geez, well. So when quarantine lifts... Yeah. Whoomst wants to go with me to a Danny Masterson disc spinning Oh, this could be the rave of the year. So, anyway, yeah. The rave of the month? <laughs> no, they go to, uh... They go to... I, I don't even know where it takes... It's some sort of skyscraper, I guess, and one of the floors it's... has Christopher Plummer's uh, study, where he has a whole bunch of Van Helsing weapons on the wall, and uh, some really, really British guy. I mean, when I say British, this guy's accent is almost as indecipherable as Gerard Butler's was in Cradle of Filth. <laughs> Chris, buddy, do you want to know how British he is? How British? He has played Sherlock Holmes on a multi-running season TV show. Yeah. <laughs> you know how British you have to be for that's, that? He's that's so like, British, she dresses up in a dress and acts like a lady. <laughs> that's like, Hilarious. that's like, yeah, see, that's first and being a knight is second, but like, playing Sherlock Holmes on British TV is third. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that's a role that, uh, that you know, Benedict Bumpernotes has, has yeah. you know... Thrived yeah, in. okay. So anyway, uh, these, these are, hey, I don't want to share all this shit. And uh, the, the group of four comes Shattle in and they, they come in and they, there's a vault. There's a vault. It looks like a museum. <laughs> there's a there's a vault in the museum. So the museum was built on top of the the, the stash, uh, Dracula stash of uh, ill-gotten goods. <laughs> I would like to, uh, I would like to explain the intro to yeah, this. Yeah, could scene, you? Which is the, the the security guard for the museum is standing there. He gets a knock on the door from you know an old British policeman, an old Bobby, who comes up and he's like, "Well, well no, we didn't call the police." He's like, "Well, now you have a disturbance, whatever," and hits him with a stone baton. And then him and Omar Epps walk in, and I go, "Oh fuck!" Both the first two bad guys are bad guys are black. Like, what's gonna happen here? Like, like, no, please don't do this to me, movie. Omar Epps just walks in and throws a fucking pumpkin bomb like the green <laughs> He fucking he throws like an exploding crystal in somebody's eye, and then. Danny Masterson walks in behind him, dressed like Neo. Yeah, There's no yeah. other Correct. description. He is that in black is, on yes. black on black trench coat. Yeah, so they walk in and they, they're able to uh, 
get inside the vault and they're looking around for the, the big treasure of all of it. And they say, where is uh, the biggest treasure of all? Why would he hide it in a vault when he could hide it in a coffin? So before we get to that, I would like to talk about their journey downward in this fucking thing. So this entire, like, fucking thing is just, like, it's this dungeon lined with vampire skulls. And we get a lot of close-ups on the vampire skulls, because it's that kind of movie, yeah. so of course we do. Yeah. And I would like to call attention to the one that's literally just a beaver skull. <laughs> it has two big front middle teeth and nothing Are else. we sure that wasn't a like, vampire beaver? Like, that is that's just the three-chromosome vampire I've ever seen one. <laughs> this fucking movie opens with them just walking down the stairs from the intro to Tales from the Crypt, and Omar Epps just like, that's just there to scare us. It's all a distraction. The real treasure's in the coffin. <laughs> so this movie just turns into a vampire heist. Yeah, so they're going to sell Dracula to the highest bidder. Uh, they are able to escape with his coffin, because again, the real treasure's inside. Just like after two of them get impaled with spike traps. Oh, there's that too. Yeah. So uh... <laughs> the guy that looks like Dax Shepard's cooler brother just gets fucking murdered by spike traps. And they're like, ah, shit. Drag this up fucking, the fucking first guy, like trying to open the coffin to the side, just going, oh, fuck, and knock the coffin over, and then getting impaled as the spikes come down where it used. To as he tries to catch it like it's not a fucking coffin made of metal okay so they load the coffin onto a plane <laughs> meanwhile poor christopher plumber is not able to get there in time he's he's kind of waddling around that little museum estate thing like uh the security guard from hobgoblins so can't quite get... <laughs> sorry that's a pretty deep hole uh he I can't get there in time and uh they escape and meanwhile they're I guess two of the, the lesser-known guys, the guys who won't be in a whole lot of... Oh, wait, one of them was Danny Masterson, I guess. Uh, they go back there to, I guess, look for the treasure you, inside the coffin. Chris, what? you can refer to them as Weezen Ed and some other Okay, so Weezen Ed <laughs> and some black guy uh, go to the back of the... Pl- <laughs> His words, not mine. Go to the back of the... Pl- you might notice that there are two black people in the same crew. <laughs> Don't worry, that will be remedied. Uh, yeah, so I think that... Wait, I, <laughs> Similar to Cradle yeah, to Grave. Wait, to be fair, to be fair, first guy to get killed in this movie is the white guy, so... <laughs> but they make up for yeah. it. Like, Alright, got that out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> Eeny, meeny, oh, he's gone. Yeah, so they quickly uh, get rid of the other uh, guy. And uh, then Omar Epps goes back to China. He gets killed, and the girl goes back, and she gets killed, and the, the pilot gets killed, and it leads to uh, a, a crash in Death Swamp, which I think <laughs> is what the news reporter calls it. She calls it the Swamp of Death, which I'm pretty sure is a Castlevania level. So it Took out a lot of fairy tale creatures in that landing. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> like, all this is happening interspersed with Christopher Plummer just injecting leech blood into his arm. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> so shitty. There's a scene where he is wandering around an airport. I think he's a, he's wandering around LaGuardia or something like that. And he... I, I'm sorry, this is another deep pull from MST. But he's wandering around like Merlin from Merlin's Shop of Missile Wonders. Have you seen my... <laughs> Have you seen my monkey? <laughs> <laughs> his doddering old man just walking around an airport while Dracula said Mardi Gras. <laughs> 
And it's it's worth mentioning at this point, because we cannot leave this out. The fact that all of this, all of this actual plot is just interspliced with his dumbass daughter walking around talking about how many dudes she fucks. <laughs> so fucking cool. Oh, yeah. Like, all right, oh my god, a vampire? A lot? Oh, back to the virgin megastore. We've got 90-year-old Christopher Plummer and his 20-year-old daughter who doesn't talk to him. Yeah. Like, okay, sure. We gotta... Has not answered an email in fucking decades just talking about getting pipe with her roommate vitamin C. We gotta gotta talk about (laughs) his daughter, though, and she works at Virgin Records. Not only does she work at Virgin Records, but this movie was brought to you by... Well, it's brought to you by Wes Craven, but also by Virgin Records. (laughs) There's so much Virgin Records branding. Like, we talk about product placement all the time. It is so up front and center. It's Virgin this, Virgin that. I haven't seen a collection of Virgins this big since Winnie the Pooh. So, we really do have to talk about like the soundtrack right <laughs> give us a no, second you're gonna be okay <laughs> no <laughs> the, the soundtrack features uh I, we don't have to list them all but i mean but we could we could there is a song we don't have by, to do this episode either chris but here we are there's a song by Pink i feel God like i feel like th- this is the point where we should do an impromptu game show where i list 10 like late 90s early 2000s bands and we say yes or no to each one and five of them are actually on the soundtrack i support this we should workshop this but also okay put that in the back of your mind for the end of the episode yeah. <laughs> you're gonna have a hard time finding five that aren't on here audio slave oh, yeah fuck Shit. Trapped. <laughs> this guy's suicide. Anyway. So you wanna know this trap guy? <laughs> okay. So uh it doesn't just have that. Like I mentioned, the electronica in this movie is kind of all over the place. Uh so at one point Dracula goes to uh a heavy metal strip club. I actually wrote down those which words ta- for the Which notes. time? This is the first Oh, we haven't talked about Dracula yet. Dracula is played by Gerard Butler, our good friend. Of course he is. And this is a very, very young Gerard Butler. And uh, I guess that stands out. His accent only breaks through at one point. Dude, it stands out so much because he's surrounded by people who either look exactly like they looked 20 years ago or who no one has seen in 20 years. Like, Omar Epps and Christopher Plummer, exactly the same as they looked in 2000. Vitamin C, who the fuck knows? Everyone else is like, is that... Is that the love interest from the Master of Disguise? What the fuck is this? <laughs> Who are these people? <laughs> Sorry, Master of Disguise. Oh, jeez. So, we should talk about Mardi Gras. Because <laughs> he goes to a heavy metal Mardi Gras, and which already, that's a combination of words I needed in my life. Uh, but the other thing that just made me think of is, like, what was more powerful? Heavy metal Mardi Gras waking up Dracula? Or was it the new metal concert that woke up the Queen of the Damned? I cannot wait for you to find it. <laughs> I thought about this yeah, a lot. I, it's hard why. to not think about Queen of the Dead. I know. That is, this is 1A and 1B of vampire movies. Right, Let's yeah. These are, these are in the canon. <laughs> so... <laughs> Can you imagine, like, Bella Lugosi hearing Mudvayne? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hold on. Pause. T- time out. Chris, Mudvayne, less, yes or no? No. There we go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris has to do thirty pushups. Uh, <laughs> it was. Well, I can't ask Parker. <laughs> yeah, come on. 
Please. As if Parker was like visual. It's like they're taking little things in his brain that he does. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like if I just like if I just put the podcast on pause right now and looked at Parker dead in the eyes and said, Parker, thousand yard crutch, yes or no? <laughs> Uh, actually, Taproot's song in this movie is quite exquisite. <laughs> Just a, like a wine tasting. <laughs> no, you don't swallow it. You spit out the puddle of mud. <laughs> mm, yeah, bring it to the... Oh, that's how Benjamin got broken. Bring it, to, <laughs> bring it to the front of the lips. Ah, now there is a Power Man from the year 5000. <laughs> Okay, so Dracula's going around, and he's just buying a whole bunch of buxom young women who are showing off a heroic amount of cleavage. And uh, Jesus he's fighting them, this... and he's turning them into vampires. And uh, that's that's the plot. You want to talk about a horny fucking movie. Oh boy, oh this movie. That, that entire scene with, you know, <laughs> fucking Bayou Swamp reporter Jerry Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Talk about a woman who has some confidence, jeez. Maybe a little too much. Don't worry, she'll be back in 90 minutes. There's a real, like, oh, I'm here, like, who the fuck is this white lady with big teeth? Who yeah. <laughs> is this vampire? Oh, the See, I actually months. remembered the year 2000, yeah. so. Oh, I know Jerry <laughs> Ryan. I know who that yeah. is. <laughs> Just, boy, are you getting all this? Are you getting my tits? Hey, you in the audience, you like this? Is doing anything for you? Here's a Marilyn Manson song. <laughs> Tur- turn me on later as we reveal the secrets of the Death Swamp. And I'm like, alright, this movie rules. Lord Draculia of Transylvania walking around a virgin megastore while Marilyn Manson I'm sorry, Manson he, is, sings. He, is, he is actually Lord Draculia. Yeah, that, that extra syllable really <laughs> fucked me up. But yeah, he's walking around a virgin record store making out with one character and she can see him making out with her, which is kind of a weird thing. <laughs> Dude, I could talk about this fucking scene of Gerard Butler wearing that wig walking through a fucking mall record store so between much now worse and the fucking audition footage, which is the funniest picture I've ever like, seen. Yeah. It's it's so goddamn funny because if like not that I want to be like plot device in Dracula 2000 guy, but there is no more confusing plot device in Dracula 2000 than when the opposite sex hypnosis works and doesn't work. There's also that, yeah. <laughs> it is so fucking arbitrary. Like, like it's very clear that as he's walking past all of these women at the Virgin Record store, that he is hypnotizing them. But also, then he runs into Vitamin C, who is just fine with it and just goes along with it which Sorry. is a scene that i am ready to talk about more yeah let's... mr butler we wanted to get you a better wig but static x really held our feet to the fire on this one this is this is, this is like horde and cradle of filth just holding their feet to the fire this is back when new metal bands ruled the earth hey this slayer probably... doesn't come easy in 2000 this is probably an important time to bring up the dyad and the vampire force. <laughs> I wrote down this vampire dyad in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> because the, at this point, we get like the third scene of Van Helsing's daughter and Gerard Butler just looking at each other through force projections. It's like, uh, well, you know, <laughs> clearly we are two sides of the same hole and we are meant to be together. And like, Gerard Butler even looks like Adam Driver. Oh, yeah, I was about to say that. So like, it's it's just it's really jarring. Yeah. (laughs) Like like oh fuck, you stole your whole movie from Dracula 2000. Like okay. He kind of looks like Adam Driver. Skywalker wishes it was Dracula 2000. Also that. 
If there were a non-point song on the Rise of Skywalker soundtrack, <laughs> that's though, a, that's a good pull. Just like, 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 like fucking six like John Williams tracks, and then the Imperial March transitions into thirty-six crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Alex, would we like to talk about the vitamin C scene? Oh, oh buddy, I've been oh, waiting my God. all day to hear you talk about this. So, so. Let me allow you to set up the scene. So Gerard Butler has walked into this Virgin Records store where Vitamin C and her roommate, Van Helsing's daughter, both work. <laughs> but Van Helsing's daughter is off this day. So, of course, Vitamin C sees Gerard Butler in that wig and goes, Yes, please come back to my townhouse so we can do fuck. So, she brings him home, ostensibly to talk to her roommate, opens the door, calls her roommate's name once in a regular voice, then closes the door and goes, Well, guess she's not home. Unless you want to come in for something else. And this is the point where the movie goes from like 7 out of 10 horny to like 9 out of 10 horny. They go inside. You know, she's like, oh, I don't know if you want to wait around, blah, 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 blah. You can just follow me upstairs. And they go upstairs, at which point, C turns around and says, hey, I didn't get your name. What is it? And Gerard Butler reapparates behind her <laughs> and says well you see I have many names some of which are hard to pronounce which like okay so we know that you're Dracula and you have your name that only you know but like what is your jealousy <laughs> name, Gerard Butler son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> my eyes fucking shot open like wait a second <laughs> I mean, we all know that every vampire has three names, so... <laughs> Dracula, Draculia... Dra- Draculia, Judas Iscariot... Oh, we'll get to that. Draculia yeah. of the railway car? <laughs> I'm so happy you didn't know the twist. I almost feel like I have to cut it I out do, because it'll I be had... better as a twist at the end. Okay, so... I... The fucking nerve of this movie to have a twist at all. Okay, so... <laughs> Parker, did you ever watch the original 1931 Dracula? <laughs> I'm not done with the vitamin Damn, C scene. I want to get, because it's something lot. about the vitamin C scene. It's a little bit before that. It's okay. something you may have skipped over. Uh, Parker, did you see the original 1931? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, of course. Okay, so one of the more well-known lines from it is uh, Bella Lugosi oh, saying, tr- I caught I, it, yeah, don't you fucking like worry. saying, I'd have a drink. Why? And uh, in this one, it's different. She's like, hey, would you like some? Maybe coffee? He says, I'd have a drink. Coffee. <laughs> it's yeah, good one. It's the year two thousand. <laughs> Vampires are a little different. Power Man five thousand. What music they make? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> okay, so back to the fucking second story of this townhouse owned by two people who work at a CD store. <laughs> Correct. Although, to be fair, if you've been to Louisiana, that's in line with the Yeah, that, that makes sense. And it's Virgin Records. They probably pay really well. It's a mega store. It's right there. <laughs> I, they... mean, I mean, if they can afford uh, that wig for Gerard Butler, then... <laughs> so, he's, uh, he, so, he's clearly not looking for vitamin C. He's clearly looking for uh, Christopher Plummer's 20-year-old daughter. But he's not going to turn down. And then, they bang. Oh, And this... this is the best bang of all. Because you see, not only is it Gerard Butler looking like that with vitamin C, but also they levitate mid-coitus. It, honestly, <laughs> it kind of reminded me of the sex scene from End of Days. <laughs> <laughs> 
end of days wishes it could be. Oh, this movie. there's certainly that. Yes, uh, this this movie does not have the six 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 upside down reversed nine nine nine. This in nineteen ninety nine. Rod Steger, Oscar winner, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. It's got something equally stupid. Though. It does. We so. will get to that. Uh, but uh, yeah, so he fucks vitamin C. That's the scene. Yes. On the ceiling. Yeah. I mean, as, as they go home together, they remember all the time. They had together. They spent together. <laughs> as we go on. Okay, so uh, at one point... I, if you just want to play that over the entire yeah, podcast, like yeah. you can. Uh, I should have done that for the Cruel Intentions one. Uh, anyway, uh, so at one point... When? 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 No, when? 90 minutes of bittersweet symphony loop. Dun, 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 we dun, talked about this dun, weird dun, incest dun. movie. <laughs> I could talk about Cruel Intentions for about four days straight. Blah. Anyway, uh, so he... <laughs> Only takes two. Anyway, anyway, he's... Uh, at one point, Dracula's chasing... I think he's chasing the daughter, and she's saved by the British guy, and he shoots Dracula with one of the, like, Van Helsing... Uh, baton thing that goes into his heart he's in werewolf form and it turns him into a bunch of bats that werewolf cgi <laughs> that is the most unfinished wolf i've ever seen <laughs> they didn't even render its legs it was just a wolf head and then like a cloud it was incredible <laughs> it reminded me of blood fuck yeah it did a lot of blood runners tonight i would say in every way but physical that was a wolf so <laughs> well you know i believe it was a wolf because you know they did just have sex which that's men, that's right so. that's how we learned <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus so uh is it what happens next because i'm kind of running out of notes on this one how? There's so much left of this movie. Yeah, you guys can take over for me because I kind of just watch it. Because a lot of the plot is more or less Dracula, like him coming over on some sort of transport device, and now he's looking for uh, various victims that he's going to. And a whole bunch of women he's building his harem, and he wants this one girl. It's so, Dracula. We can talk about uh, Christopher Plummer's backstory for a quick second. <laughs> yes, oh, geez, go man. ahead. Parker. Where we find out that he is. The original Abraham Van Helsing, who defeated Dracula in the year 1897. And he's been unable to destroy Dracula. So he has him hidden away and just has a bunch of leeches on Dracula. And just uses the blood from him to keep himself alive until he can figure out how to kill Dracula. Spoilers for the end of the movie. Been a hundred years. Never thought to just push him outside. <laughs> 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 and this is the point in the movie it's like alright things are slowing down let's have that whole crew from the beginning of the movie come back as vampires and have some action scenes oh yeah with the well, shittiest <laughs> fucking red contacts I've oh ever. we gotta talk about that, Omar Epps Omar Epps <laughs> that of course interspliced with New Orleans Mardi Gras clips. which yeah there's you gotta so love Mardi Gras. there's a lot of heavy metal Mardi Gras I wanna talk about Omar Epps coming into the scene with just he just has Blades glasses he just comes in there with he a mod. Does. It's like, yeah. you can't just do that. I disagree. Wesley Snipes is probably in prison. You can probably just take that. Oh. I guess you could just do that. Then. That's just an evergreen statement. <laughs> yeah. 
He has the shittiest, yeah. but you are right though, the shittiest red contacts I have ever it's seen. so embarrassing. <laughs> and you get these shitty action scenes, it looks terrible. Like, of course it does. Disagree. I mean, it looks great, yeah. but also <laughs> terrible. <laughs> and then we get, like, what you want in every good horror movie, which is just a scene where our hero goes to the library to read about Dracula's. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> that scene was, like, 45 seconds, and in any lesser movie, that scene is, like, five minutes. Right, you the go to, like, has- yeah, 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 case in point, case in point, the scene where our heroine goes and meets Pedo Bear at the library to read about <laughs> <laughs> fucking urban See, legends. I was gonna go with the scene first. Yeah, I'm just mad that I reported them for posting child porn. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, w- I was going to say that it was more like the scene from, like, Cherry Falls. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's one in every I should movie, rewatch that. And this is a short one. <laughs> like, no, it seemed like it's inoffensive, but it's worth bringing up just for, like, they're reading through some text, and she just starts reading it out loud. And he's like, you can read Aramaic? And she's like, no, <laughs> but he can. So because she has, Forgot like, some distant Dracula blood in her veins, she can just read a dead language. <laughs> Yeah. And then they run into the cemetery. Ah. Uh, I'm so ready to talk about the cemetery <laughs> oh, scene. please, take it away. <laughs> Absolutely. So, okay, so this this statement's going to apply, really, to the next two scenes in Force. But, like, have either of you ever been to New Orleans? No. Somehow, no. So, like, this fucking, like, spooky-ass graveyard they're running through, it's, like, all, like, mausoleums and shit, is very New Orleans. There's, like, a lot of this shit. Like, if you've ever been to New Orleans... They kind of did a good job with the location shooting in this. Like, as dumb as this fucking graveyard looks with all the bodies being above ground, that's actually how it is there because it's below sea level, so they, you know, can't bury them. So I was like, oh, cool, you know, they at least got this right in this stupid fucking movie with this plot. They're running around in the cemetery. She hides in a tomb. She gets old guy guts all over her hands, which allows Gerard Butler to find her for reasons fucking British guy catches up to them and goes, ah, I've got you now. And then they poof away. <laughs> An ability that is only used once in this movie at the time when it is least convenient for our hero. This is definitely, because I was getting a little distracted, because I've seen this before so you know, my attention's kind of like going back and forth. Three different times I looked up and went, wait, how the fuck did they get on the roof? And would back up. <laughs> like, what a second. They were just in a tomb and then they're just on the roof talking. Parker, Parker, buddy. Where did they poof to from the graveyard? <laughs> oh, shit. Was this one on the rooftop or was this somewhere else? This is where they poof into the middle of Mardi Gras. Oh, while that's the Godsmack right. song is playing. <laughs> and right. so you have, like, all this vampire melodrama with the ominous piano, and it poofs just Godsmack playing while women are taking their tops off. <laughs> and this British guy looking around and seeing people get turned, like, oh my god, this is travesty. We have to stop this guy. God smacks <laughs> And just like every fucking time he looks around, it's like some lesbian makeout session where another hot girl is now a vampire. Because, you know, 2000. That's what we do. We had it coming, baby. Yeah, we, we deserved it. <laughs> we, we were yeah. asking for it. <laughs> we really were. That, I can't believe we thought that was edgy back then. Now, speaking of edgy, Parker, you watch horror movies sometimes, right? Unfortunately. Yeah, and like the thing about horror movies is they're supposed to scare. Is there a scary part of this movie anywhere? <laughs> I thought I was going to pass out from laughing at the reveal of the oh, end. I thought this was more of a thriller, honestly. That's, that's yeah, fair, thank yeah. you. More of a social thriller. It really says a lot about religion. There, it's, it's an erotic thriller, actually. <laughs> There's like uh, well, three we'll, we'll get to instances <laughs> where they're like, he hates all things Christianity. Like, 
Oh, there is oh, again. The, fu- the fucking don't scene. Reveal it. Okay, oh, okay. We should, we should, we should rewind to the fucking scene where we're in the library and British guy picks up that gigantic Bible and opens oh, it, and all the flaming yeah. pages fly out at Dragon. That's the thing. That's this is the best part because uh, this is you know two thousand Dragon Bible say, "You really think you could hurt me with that Bible?" And the guy just stares at him. He's like holding up this gigantic fucking Bible. It looks like one of the books that like Boban was checking out in John Wick Three, and uh, Fuck yeah. he he opens it up like just all never ending story ass book. <laughs> he just opens it up, just rips the fucking thing open, and the pages fly out and hit Dracula, and they burst into flames, and you just hear Dragon go, <laughs> smash scene transition transition because we can't linger on this no. shot of Gerard Butler being burned alive by books. I mean, I'll do you one better. When Omar Epps attacks him and he pulls out the cross and goes, Oh, sorry. I'm an atheist. Oh, that's... Oh, <laughs> pause for a laugh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Then he just stabs Wait, do you remember the punchline? That's okay. God oh, loves you yes. anyway. <laughs> fucking... Five stars. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Should we... Are we at the moment yet? Because it's all I want to talk about. Uh, Alex, is there anything else we're, before we're, we want to talk have, about the we reveal? We have one scene we have okay, to talk about before that. And that's British guy getting cornered by all the hot vampire girls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So... Which is... I, this is maybe the horniest scene I've seen in a movie in 2020. Oh, yeah. We're just like... He walks around the corner, and it's these three, like like... You know, the three, like, marquee female stars of the movie. Just, like, w- like you know, tits half out. Just, like, eh, we're all vampires, and we're gonna turn you now. You know, but just jumping all over you and acting like we're making out with you. And then he fucking stabs Jerry Ryan in the chest with a stake. Okay, so there's a couple things I want to talk about with this thing. First of all, you- she's been she's been gone from this movie for a literal hour. Yeah, well. And just pops back up to be like, oh, I'm the third hot vampire. We're gonna fuck yeah, you That's now. the thing. It's like, okay, so it's little things that they get wrong at me. I guess this should go in the goof section, but you're supposed to stab a vampire in the heart with a stake, right? He stabs her directly in the fucking sternum, but I was just like, powerful arm on this guy. He has to, st- <laughs> he has to stab her between the cleavage, because otherwise she'd have to take it off and shoot right, her. Yeah. And they're not paying exactly. for that. Exactly, so he just... Right in the sternum, which is, that's bone there. So uh, he gets it through that, and she's just kind of looking at And it just holds at her, like, looking down, looking up, looking down, looking up, like... Oh, I guess I'm dead now. And then she just falls over, so, to which he gets hit in the head with a frying pan and is knocked out. Might as well have, like, little cartoon so fun- birds flying over his head. <laughs> so, fun fact, the location where this happens, I have 100% been drinking there. <laughs> would I you guys like thing. to know, would you guys like to know what famous person that I met? Josh Brody. More than anything. It is, I'll give you a hint, it is somebody in Parker's wheelhouse. Oh, fuck. That could be really damning for you. Is it McFoley? I will give you a second hint. He has red hair. Oh, my God. Joel? You guys. <laughs> I'm here to see the cursed child. Let's get drunk. <laughs> if only. But no, it was Seamus. Oh, my God. How dare you make me claim it? <laughs> it's fucked up. 
<laughs> oh, that's right. You were there around WrestleMania weekend. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, somebody tried to climb up one of the poles. He was throwing out beads off a uh, second-story balcony, and somebody tried to climb up one of the poles and got pulled down by a horse cop, and the horse pooped, like, right next to his head. It was really good. God, I forgot you were just there by happenstance. You just had a it was an accident, yeah. Drunkenly See, doing yes chants for, like, six days. Dude, that's another podcast okay. by itself. I don't want to get too much into my New Orleans experience, but also, like, next time it's in New Orleans we're going. All right, so, I will keep that in mind. <laughs> Okay, so, uh, yeah, he gets knocked out and uh, is woken up, and here comes the big reveal. Uh, she goes, you know, in, I'd like to think that, guys, in all of our minds exists the most advanced technology in human history. We each have a time machine in our hippocampus, and her time machine allows her to go back. We're talking way back. Way back. Back to the age of Jesus Christ. Back to the 30 pieces of silver. Back to a man hanging from a tree as a cock crows three times. Sorry, say that again. As a cock crows three times. It turns out that Judas Iscariot and Dracula are the same person. It is I, Judas Iscariot, now, vampire. Now, this is already, and, and, and this is already the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. But correct. But the, <laughs> this this fucking movie has the audacity to flash back to all of the points when they foreshadowed it. Him at like, the oh, fight. some Mardi Gras beads fell on the ground, and he went, "Oh, coins." <laughs> This shot of him sitting at the Last Supper and then turning and looking at the camera and smiling like the fucking kid <laughs> in the Omen is so goddamn funny. And then just jump cut to Gerard Butler at the crucifixion. Now, Parker, it's interesting that you went with the kid from Omen because I went with Johnny Knoxville from Jackass before he's about to do a really sick prank on Bam. <laughs> Hi, this is this is Judas Iscariot. <laughs> Welcome to the betrayal. Driving stakes. <laughs> Jesus, are you crying? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, on the, he's on the cross. I'm over it. I'm over it. <laughs> Judas, how could you? I'm sorry, I have bursitis. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> now I'm thinking about airborne golf. Yeah. Judas trying to hang himself and just getting high fived off the fucking noose. <laughs> You're fucking crazy, we're antiquing Jesus and the apostles. <laughs> Thanks, Bam. If I could have seen fucking Pontius dressed as party boy at that last supper, like Jesus fucking. You, you know, you know uh, biblically, course, biblically but... Jesus Iscariot's last words were his butter beat okay? <laughs> <laughs> and take this this is on my blood and Steve just starts vomiting <laughs> on the table <laughs> alright Apostle Danger Aaron you have to go get skinned alive so it'll be funny okay so actually Danger John the Baptist no speaking of uh, there is a there's something about Beyond the Bat I forgot to mention Parker, you, re- I'm you sorry. remember. I want to know the link that made this happen. No, you, you should. Do Parker, tell. you should remember. I did tell Alex this. You should know. Uh, Beyond the Bat is directed by the same guy who did... Uh, uh, what was this again? Uh, the, <laughs> the Ringer. ringer. <laughs> the Ringer. 
Those are two. Oh, of yes. like three credits. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite movie about my people. <laughs> and their island. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Joke for all. Yeah, but either way. Uh, there, there's something about this scene that really bugs me. Is uh, the, 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 the reason they say that they foreshadowed, oh, Sassy was actually Judas Iscariot. That's the reason that Dracula hates all things Christianity. Because <laughs> <laughs> he killed Jesus. He's just super bitter about it. So th- that's the thing is like they com- they completely missed the point of the story of Judas Iscariot oh, hanging himself. He felt guilty. He realized, oh my god, I did a terrible thing. He would not go back to Earth to seek revenge against humanity. <laughs> must return to my home planet. <laughs> no, no, no. That's through Nobula. Let's focus. <laughs> no, so, so this was this was unbelievably confusing for me because like I'm watching this and going like. Wait, so how the fuck is this girl related to Jesus? How are the Van Helsings related to Jesus? And it turns out that's actually completely unrelated. But I spent, like, five minutes <laughs> racking my brain, like, what is the connection? Like, this movie is spelled out everything else. How are they related? Like, how are they your mortal enemies? It's like, oh, no, this guy's just a vampire hunter. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> Wait, doesn't she have his blood in him? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Movie's over. <laughs> yeah, that's... well. And she's a daughter of Van Helsing, but she has Dracula's blood. See, she she gets turned into a vampire, but she's still a good vampire. Yeah, and she's so she does the she's good thing to... and beheads vitamin yeah, C. Yeah, and she's going to hunt other <laughs> vampires. So I guess this is just the blood rain prequel. Can we can we talk about vitamin C's death line for a second? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> this bitch is faking it, <laughs> and then she gets her head cut off. <laughs> so good <laughs> fucking good movie dude it's it's honestly shocking she didn't have a bigger acting career after this <laughs> honestly you gotta put this on your demo reel this is the scene where he fucks me on the ceiling and this is the scene where i get decapitated <laughs> <clears throat> he'll need me on one tree hill or like what's up <laughs> it's pretty cool how omar Epps is in this movie for longer than he is in uh scary movie I thought you were going to say Scream 2. I, I was close. Same. Real close there. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Any final thoughts on uh, Dracula 2000? Yes. <laughs> yeah. The One final thing in the movie. <laughs> yeah, you go ahead. So this movie ends with her giving her hero speech like, I am Mary Van Helsing. I am this and this and this. And then sure, fucking eyes glow red like the end of the thriller music video. <laughs> Cut to black. Everything you say to me, <laughs> one step closer to the edge, point. and I'm about to break. I, oh my god, lightheaded from laughing. <laughs> I couldn't. I honestly, it is movie. very much uh, analogous to the end of Heartbreak from uh, the uh, the second Resident Evil movie, and this movie about Dracula just, ends with Lincoln Park. I. Like, like, Parker earmuffs. But it's like the sound that you make when you prematurely ejaculate. <laughs> You're just like, oh fuck, this feels good, but also I'm shocked that this is I, happening, I and I don't want to process both of those things at once. <laughs> oh no, oh no, it's happening. <laughs> this is nothing I can do about this. <laughs> One step closer to the edge, and I'm about to break! <laughs> Look, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that. The reason that 9-11 happened is that this movie has a scene where Lord Dracula walks up to a virgin megastore, 
looks up at a giant screen playing a monster magnet music video, stares Correct. at it for a good 15 seconds, and then just says, <laughs> That is why it happened. Can you imagine Osama Bin Laden that just was... like seeing like what a burned DVD of this movie that should have been one of my family's crests. And How is it not? he just... You guys are religious, right? <laughs> so like, I'm just putting this out there. Gerard Butler ad-libbed that scene, right? I want to believe it. I, I have to hope it wasn't in this <laughs> Because it's like <laughs> all of the CG budget was to green screen that fucking music video in behind him. Because he's clearly just looking at a wall. Like, uh, pretend you've seen something fucking sick, dude. And then it's just 45 seconds of a real music video. <laughs> <laughs> that has nudity that's blurred out in this R rated movie. Which also Correct. has tits in it, so. God, what a fucking movie, yeah. Well, yeah. They couldn't had license to... the unrated music video. They spent all the money on his wig. They had nothing left over in the budget. I mean, that's the thing about this movie is we talk a lot about the soundtrack, and uh, the soundtrack is somewhat comparable to the one which has the all-time greatest soundtrack in movie history. Uh, but it, I think it's kind of unfair that this movie plays half of its songs on its soundtrack during the end credits, which meant that I couldn't just turn off the movie. I mean, I kind of, you know, what are they going to play next? I watched the entirety of the <laughs> Same. Yeah. I watched the whole thing. What if there was an end credit scene where they go to space? <laughs> I need my stinger with Mary Van Helsing. The vampire slash vampire hunter? Question mark. The vampires are dead at this point. Like, what What are? What sequel are you teasing? Yeah, she's the only vampire. You killed Dracula. What if Jesus did come back <laughs> on the third day, but as a vampire, and he's also being just held in Christopher Plummer's What box. if Dracula bit into the matted fur of Bigfoot? And that's the tea, sis.